0: One of the biggest things that I learned in my early career was the idea that regardless of the results that you're experiencing, you show up every day, you do the right actions and you put in the work, the results will come. I've had repeated experiences in my life where I just needed to be called out and called up to be better. There's been a theme in my life where people have done that for me and it's been the thing that I needed to really step up and grow. I love being a leader and I think I was born to be a leader. I'm very excited for the future. Our goal is to make Amarillo a dynasty to where we're reckoned with and recognized across the nation forever.
1: Stephen Hunt has consistently answered the call to be better in his business and in his life. Starting with school and basketball, Stephen learned to respond when he was challenged to step up. This mindset carried into his Vector experience. From Stephen's first manager to his current division manager and even his current region manager, The leaders around him have seen the potential in Steven and have called him up to be his best. Steven and his Amarillo team answered that call in the biggest way in 2023, finishing as the Silver Cup champions among all of Cutco Vector's new district manager teams. And as you'll hear in this conversation, the best is yet to come for Stephen Hunt. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host. and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I am with Stephen Hunt today, who is the Silver Cup champion new district manager in the Cutco Vector Marketing field sales organization for the year 2023. Stephen operates his sales team in Amarillo, Texas. He's been in the business since June of 2019. He ran a branch in 2022 and was number six in the company, became a district manager in 2023 in April, and has completed the year as the Silver Cup champion. We're going to hear a lot about his story and how that unfolded this year. They sold over $422,000 on the Silver Cup report to win that national championship here between May and December. Stephen Hunt, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Dan. I'm so happy to be here. This is a dream come true. I'm very excited for today.
1: All right. Glad to have you. It's great to meet you in this way also, and I've really been looking forward to our conversation, my friends. So take us back to June 2019 and tell us how you got started selling Cutco.
0: Oh, man. Well, yeah, yes, sir. I started in 2019. I had just graduated high school at South Crest Christian School and little, little old private school in uh, Lubbock, Texas. And I was getting ready to go play my my first year of college basketball at South Plains Junior College. And I didn't get a full ride. And so my parents always told me, hey, if you're going to go to college, you're going to get to pay for that yourself. And so I, I knew I had to come up with a way to to make some money that summer. And then I get a a letter in the mail from a company called Vector Marketing, and I reach out and I get into an interview and it goes well, and I get accepted. My first manager was Will Shido. Shout out to him. He brought me onto the team, and getting into my fast start and getting started on a job was was a wild ride. And so, so that's kind of how I found Vector. Just kind of a chance. I wasn't really, uh, I had no experience in sales and wasn't really looking for uh, looking for a sales job, but it kind of just fell on my lap.
1: Yeah. So you had to pay for college. You're playing hoops. Did you play basketball since you were a little kid?
0: I started whenever I was five years old and uh, played for about, in my life, probably played for about 15 years. So I played for a long time.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how many guests on this podcast were competitive athletes at some level. And to hear that you played uh, at college, uh, that's pretty cool, man.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I mean, basketball was a big part of my life. It was my it was my first love. I, from the moment that I that I got on the court, I was just obsessed. I was obsessed with the game. I was obsessed with learning and growing and being the best. And I think that's a big deal of where my competitive spirit comes from, as well yeah. as having an older brother too. So
1: yeah. I, I, I'm sure a lot of the lessons from basketball carried over and helped you here with uh with Cutco. Tell us about some of the experiences that stand out during the early part of your career working there with Will.
0: Oh man. Yeah. It's funny. I love telling the story because it's just so it's kind of unique. A lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of great managers, they, you know, they were 10K fast starters. They had a great summer. They just they just had everything go right for them. Obviously, not everybody, but a lot of the people I talked to. And I, I did not have that start. I remember coming into my interview and, and one of the things that the, the assistant manager had said, he had asked, hey, has anybody heard of Cutco before? And I don't think anybody in the room raised their hand, and I know I hadn't. And he said, "Oh, it's the best stuff out there. It lasts forever. It's the greatest product in the history of the world." And I was like, "Yeah, right." And I was like, and "I was like, I've never heard of Cutco before. There's no way that's what every infomercial sounds like." And so I had my doubts from this get go. And then, and then he cut the penny in the interview, and I was, I was, I was like, "Oh, okay. So that's pretty good stuff there." And so then. Whenever I came to training, I was skeptical. My mom was like, "Are you sure you want to sell knives?" Like, have you ever been in sales before? And I was like, "Well, absolutely not. I, I definitely have not And so I was really nervous and I was skeptical of the whole thing. And Will is a great trainer. Obviously, he gave me the the manual to follow and, and getting started out. I thought I knew more than Will. I barely used the manual whenever I got started, and I definitely definitely felt that uh, that sting of not not really trusting my manager. And so my first few days, I, I kind of took it under. Uh, just took his word for it. Stuck with the manual for a little bit there, and uh, actually sold about three thousand dollars in my first uh, first three days on the job. And then after that, I finished my fast start at about five thousand dollars. And from then on, that's whenever I really totally went the opposite way. And I I really just kind of started doing my own thing. I stopped listening to my manager, Stopped answering his text messages and phone calls. And I was that representative that was kind of outcast. You're like, do they even work here anymore? That that was me. And that went on for about a month, month and a half or so. And then SC2 push came up. And at the same time, my mom had been talking to me. She's she's very protective of me. I love my mom. She she looks out for me. And and she had said to me, She was like, Are you sure you want to keep selling knives? Like, maybe you should just go work at United Marketplace or Chick-fil-A. They offer scholarships or something like that. And I was like, you know what, mom? You're right. Like, maybe I should go do something else. But uh, one thing, especially being an athlete, I categorize myself. I, I identify myself as somebody who doesn't quit anything. I'll work hard. I'll, I'll do my best, and I, I won't quit anything. I understand that there's a time to walk away, but that was not the that was not the case. I knew that if I left at that moment, that I would be I'd be quitting. And so I came up with this idea. I was like, okay, I can't quit, but instead I'm going to convince Will that I'm not good enough for this job, and then he'll fire me or he'll let me go. That was my big plan. I was like, I'm just going to talk him into. Understanding that I'm just not good for this job and I'm wasting his time and maybe he'll fire me. so that was <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my big plan. So I went to Will. thankfully he's a good manager. I went to will and, and I, I basically told him I said, hey, I don't think this job's for me. I don't want to quit, but I'm not making any money. I'm not making you any money you should probably just let me go. I think I said that almost word for word, word for word. For <laughs> and uh, he just looked at me. He was like, what, Steven, what are you talking about? And, and he basically walked me through the steps. Of, he asked me, Stephen, when you're doing your appointments, are you reading your manual? I said, no. He said, are you coming to the team meetings? Are you coming to the office events that we have in place? I was like, well, no. And he said, and this is one thing that really stood out to me. He said, Stephen, you're going to be a college athlete. You know what it's like to work hard and give your best. Are you really trying here? Are you really giving your best? And it Mm. really called me out. It called me out to be better. And I've had uh, repeated experiences in my life with with school and with basketball and with other personal and professional things where I just needed to be called out and called up to be better. And I think Will did a great job at that for me because I answered honestly. I was like, you know, Will, I'm not. I'm not doing any of the right things. I'm not giving my best. I'm not trying to make this work. And so he challenged me. He said... We have this push coming up for these next two weeks. Why don't you try and really just go after it? Do those three things, read your manual, come to the team meetings and give it your best and just see what happens. Worst thing that's going to happen, you're going to make some money. And if at the end of it, you still think this job's not for you, I'll let you go and you're not quitting. And I was like, yes. And I was like, I was like, that's my way out. I still didn't think it was going to work. I was like, okay, I'm going to prove it to him that I'm not meant for this job. <laughs> and, uh, and so over the next two weeks... So up to that point in my career, I was at about six thousand dollars in career sales, and uh, over the next two weeks, I sold about eighteen thousand dollars in wow. sales, and uh, totally changed my life. I remember I had my first thousand dollar day. I made a thousand dollars in a single day, and I was working so hard it didn't even register that I made a thousand dollars because everybody in the office was making a thousand dollars. I mean, Gerardo, that was his first summer; he was making. I mean, he was selling a lot. Conrad, Yusuf, some of the other top reps and assistant managers. That was just what they did, and so it wasn't until I, one of my friends actually asked me. They were like, "What was that phone call from your manager from?" And I was like, "He told me I made a thousand dollars today." And they're like, "What? Oh my gosh, that's so crazy!" And so I mean, that was that was really the two week period where my life changed forever. I had never made that kind of money. I think up to that point, the most money I ever had was maybe six hundred dollars ever. And and so and so to to make that, I made almost seven thousand dollars in my uh, in those two weeks, and it was it was life changing.
1: Incredible. Sure. Incredible. It just really speaks to the power of being all in in what you're doing. Right. Because it, so many times people just sort of dabble in vector or in whatever else that they're doing and they don't have that opportunity to even experience the full benefit of it. Oh, and yeah. uh, it's good to hear that you just decided you were going to put, put your full effort in. Were you just feeling like too cool for school before
0: that? Or like, well, what was
1: the, it, what was the, yeah,
0: the feeling yeah, inside it, of you? it was kind of, you know, my friends made fun of me a little bit of like, Oh, you're selling knives. And I was like, and then, you know, the, the people in our office that were doing really well, it was like, they're just selling knives. Like I'm going to go play college basketball. This is, I kind of had a little bit of an ego and unfortunately I did. And so what really brought me back down to earth was seeing the work and the effort that those people put in. And I love this story about how I first got connected with Gerardo was he was an assistant manager. And it was right there at that moment where, where Will said, Hey, 2 weeks try this out. And I di- it didn't immediately switch. I needed some help and I was struggling. And so I reached out to all 5 of the assistant managers in that office and asked them for help. Hey, struggling with this. How do I get better? I don't know what to do. And the only person to respond to me was Gerardo and he gave me the right encouragement and the right advice to to then pick myself up and, and continue to continue to grow. And as I went throughout that push, Gerardo and I became friends there in that push. And uh, I actually beat him. I'm pretty proud of that. I I beat him in that SC2 push. He's a great manager now. He's better than I am. But hey, uh, you know, I beat him in that SC2 push way back when. So I'm still proud of that. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the moments where Gerardo and I connected. And I really began to understand the amount of work and energy and effort that goes into what a manager does, what an assistant manager, what a representative does. And I really kind of drew back on my ego there.
1: Yeah. Cool. It's good to hear that you're able to recognize that in the moment and ask for help, because not everybody yeah. does that. A lot of times, if somebody's a very confident person, they feel like, "Well, I can figure this out," yeah. right? Like that, that was always yeah. my mo. It's been my mo for a large part of my life. It's like, "Well, I got this. I, you know, I, I can do it on my own. I don't necessarily need a lot of help." But being able to ask for help to me is a it's a sign of real maturity, and uh, it can open up a lot of doors you found right there with Gerardo. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So then what happened in 2020, 2021, there was outside of the state of Texas, there was this thing called a pandemic that was going on. I know (laughs) know you you guys chose not to participate, (laughs) which I admire in a way. Uh, Tell me,
0: tell me about what you were doing though, during those two years. Yeah. So Once that pandemic happened, that we were actually uh, so I was playing basketball. I was in college. I actually throughout after going into the fall after my first summer, my manager Will had moved to San Antonio to a different territory to run that office. So I kind of just drifted away from the business, just focused on school and basketball. And then going into 2020, when the pandemic happened, I mean, school shut down. We were we're going to the the junior college tournament, and it got canceled because of the uh, because of COVID and the shutdown and everything. So. Mm It was kind of like, Well, what do we do now? We, we really weren 't sure practice was canceled for the year. School was online, and i uh, i didn 't know what to do and I had lost touch with everybody in vector and and my dad had been working and running his own private contracting business and so Obviously, with COVID, that was that was kind of down. It was his business was struggling, and so for that summer and the rest of that year, I really just helped my dad out with construction. Which, by the way, I'm I'm not a fan of construction work. I did that a lot growing up, and so I just I'm not a fan. I love getting. I say this all the time. I love going to my office where it's nice and cool, and I can wear my my sweater or my jacket to work every day. I love that um, as opposed to working outside. So, anyways, I worked construction for that year with my dad. And around school, I mean, I I really didn't work a whole lot with my dad or with Vector or anything like that. Like I said, I hadn't been with the business all of 2020. And it wasn't until maybe March of 2021. By this time, Dan, to be honest with you, I was broke. I I had no money. I'd spent it all on school, all on food and fast food and uh, just college experiences and things like that. And so I I, I was broke. I had no money. And I remember thinking back to that day in 2019, where I made $1,000 uh, in one day. And I was like, man, what if I could do that again? And I, I remember asking myself, I said, I made five or $6,000 in, in two weeks. What could I do if I worked all summer? Like, How much could I make if I worked all summer? And so it was at, at about that time, late March, early April, that I, I had asked myself, I said, I was like, how much money could I make if I had worked all, uh, all summer? And at that same time, Gerardo actually reached out to me. He said, hey, Steven, long time no see. I'm coming back to Lubbock to start up a branch office. Have you ever thought about coming back to Cutco? And it was at that moment, I was like, yes, like I am, I'm ready to come back. I've been thinking about this. I've been wanting to. I'd love to come back. And he, he was like, hey, I, I want to make you an assistant manager. And to me, that was a really big step. It was like, wow, you, you really trust me to, to make me an assistant manager? And he said, yeah, you did great our first summer. I like working with you. I want to train you and teach you. And, and so I was the first assistant manager for the Lubbock office. As whenever it first opened as a branch with Gerardo, and now it is what it is today, and so so that's kind of my progression through 2020 and 2021, and how I actually kind of found my way back to the business. Excellent, excellent.
1: What do you feel like if you were to summarize like some of the key lessons that came from this very early part
0: of your career? What do you think stands out? Man, one of the biggest things that hit home for me was the activity over accomplishment mantra—the idea that regardless of the results that you're experiencing, you show up every day, you do the right actions and you put in the work, the results will come. And I had been experiencing this throughout my life with such great coaches. And I ran cross country. we were two-time state champions in high school and cross country. And my cross country coach, every single day, he said, you just keep showing up and the results will come for you. So I, it wasn't until later that I realized that these themes are go in every field and every direction. And so I would say one of the biggest things that I learned in my early career was that If I show up, if I show up and I do the right things, the right results will come back to me. And the idea of what you put in is what you get out. I mean, it just, it's just, it translates really seamlessly.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's an important point that uh, seems to escape a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of people, Stephen, that I've worked with who have had success throughout their early life, whether it be as a student or in athletics or in both of those things or in other things as well. And a lot of times that success came relatively easy to them. It's not always that way for everybody, but with some of the top achievers, sometimes it can come a little bit easy to them. They sort of have a natural ability, particularly in athletics. And I think people get into the mistaken mindset that, oh, I'm just going to be really good at everything I do. Right. And they don't realize that it does take a lot of effort in order to, to get to that level at most other things. And some people get a rude awakening when they come into Vector. And that's probably a good thing. It's probably good to get that when you're 19 years old versus waiting until you're 35 and still struggling
0: <laughs> in your career. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, I, th- I think that really set, set that apart for me whenever I got started was that I didn't, I wasn't a top performer. I was an underperformer in our office. And that really forced me to respect the ability and the skill level and the growth that I could experience in a different way than I experienced before. So yeah, you make a great point
1: yeah excellent and i I know you branched in twenty twenty two and you finished number six, which is a pretty admirable job. What were some of your highlights from that summer of twenty twenty two
0: The summer of twenty twenty two was one of the most growth experiences that I've ever experienced in fact it it was probably the I would say whenever I look back at the end of my life, whenever I look back on where was the turning point for me personally and professionally, not just professionally but also personally and more important personally. The summer of 2022 has to be probably that point. I had walked into being a branch manager. I wasn't set on being a branch manager in 2021. Gerardo had talked to me about it. He said, you'd be good at it. I said, I don't know. I'm playing basketball right now. And I realized that basketball wasn't my forever thing in that fall of 2021. And I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to do something that that would push me outside of my comfort zone because I was comfortable with basketball. I was comfortable in Texas. I was comfortable with my family and friends. And I wanted to be pushed outside of that. I wanted to Mm -hmm. grow further than who I had ever been. And I knew that doing something that would scare me that I was terrified of, doing that would be the thing to get me to that next level in personal and professional growth. And so that thing was branching. As a branch manager, my goodness, the growth that I experienced there, the ability to... The people that I had surrounding me to support me and help me grow, part of it was they were there for the support to help me, but then also they weren't there managing me. So it was up to me to make things happen. And that was one of the biggest things that I experienced and I learned as a branch manager And you've heard this similar type of thing in different books and motivational speakers is nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to do it for you. And that really, I experienced that as a branch manager where Gerardo was a great manager and it was easy to kind of ride on the coattails of his success and be like, well, yeah, I'm with the Lubbock office. But whenever I became a manager myself, my office was a representation of who I was and who I showed up to be. And it was a great experience as a branch manager. I mean, like I said, life-changing moments. It allowed me to take my dream trip to Italy, which was a, a big, big accomplishment that I I thought would... That was on my dreams list since I was like 14 years old. And I thought that was going to happen in my 40s or 50s. And I did it uh, you know, by myself at the age of 21. So yeah. uh, branching was an incredible experience for me. Awesome.
1: And when you got to the end of branching, did you know you wanted to be a DM right away in August or... Was there a (laughs) period where you weren't
0: sure? There was a... So as soon as I... I would say the feeling that I left as a branch manager was that I left it on the table. I did not give my best. There was so much more that I could have done to be better. In fact, for everybody in the vector world, you really understand this. The entire summer of 2022, I did one round of PRs. I only took the people that were given to me through our types of schedule and other programs like that. That was the office that I, I... I didn't understand a PR program. I didn't know how to do that. And so I just... I left it alone. And so looking back at the end of August, realizing I had sold $130,000 on web apps and mailers and you know that type of thing, I had realized, oh my goodness, there's so much more that I left on the table. Mm-hmm. And so... With that feeling, I felt like I had to be a district manager just to prove it to myself that I could do better and that I can, that I could be better. And so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I branched between my sophomore and junior year of college and did about the same amount of business as you did as a branch. And at the end of the summer, I was like, oh man, if I just do this again, I'm going to be really good. (laughs) You know, <laughs> yeah. and I had another year to branch because I still had two more years of school. So I was able to branch a second time and won the Silver Cup as a branch the second time. But it was that same feeling that, like, oh man, there's I could have done this and this and this and this. Like, I can't just leave it at that. Like I gotta right. I gotta yeah. do do this again here. So you opened up then as a DM the following April, I guess it was mid April or so, late April 2023. And I just wanna share a little bit of the progression of your year here for the listeners, because I think this is pretty cool. At the end of May, after the first month, you were not in the top 15 in the standings. At the end of June, you popped in at number 10, but you were $87,000 behind the number one team at the time. In SC2 Push, which for you guys is late July, maybe slightly into early August, it's mostly late July, right? You exploded in a good way, all the way up to number three in the nation, but still a pretty good distance behind Tyler Strauss, who was number one, who was also the Silver Cup branch from the summer before. At the end of the summer campaign, you were still number three, but you had closed the gap to $28,000. By the end of September, you were number two. And in October, you took the lead, but it was still close. All the way until December, and you had a massive December, over $100,000 just in the month of December. And you were the number one team, not just in the new DM category, not just in the DM category, but in every category. You were the number one team in new business sales both of the last two weeks of December to finish up as strong as can be and won the silver cup by about 50,000 in the end. So what a run, man. It was yeah. awesome, huh? It was a ride. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your success as a new DM. And at some point I want you to get into what happened during SE 2 push,
0: Yes, sir. Uh, but, yeah. but
1: maybe, maybe not start there. Start, start at the <laughs> beginning and just t- yeah. tell us a little bit about the ride.
0: I love storytelling and I love to tell the story of becoming a district manager because it was as entertaining as it is for the listeners who hear the story, it's also entertaining for me to watch it and to experience that throughout this year. And so um, I, it starts in end of January, right before YEB, And uh, our, our YEB is at the end of January. And I remember talking to Stacy on the phone. And at this point, I had kind of bounced back and forth between the idea of being a district manager or just going full-time sales rep and just focusing on that. You know, if I was a sales rep, I could stay at home where my family and my friends are and Work with Gerardo, where I'm comfortable, and kind of that similar theme of being comfortable at home, and or move to a territory where I'd never been or never lived or knew nobody, absolutely zero people, and try and run this office again. And I remember talking to Stacy, and I had told him earlier after my branch, I had told him, hey, you know, Stacy, I want to be, uh, you know, I, I believe that I love being a leader, and I think I was born to be a leader. And so he kind of called on that back at the before YEB in January where we were making, he said, Stephen, I need a decision. Uh, we're going to give you a plaque or not at YAB for being a new district manager. And so we got we to gotta make that decision. And I said, Stacy, I don't know what to do. I don't know which one to choose. How do I make this decision? And Stacy's very good about giving direction, not on what to do, but how to make a decision. And so he said, Stephen, you once told me that you feel like you were born to be a leader. And I think that if you did not go be a district manager this year, that you'd be selling yourself short on that opportunity. And that really hit home with me because it really, again, it challenged me. He called me up and called me to action, to Mm. grow. And like I said, there's been a theme in my life where people have done that for me. And it's been the thing that I needed to really step up and grow. And so he said, take a day, think about it, pray about it and let me know your decision. And so I prayed about it. And what I really believe God was putting on my heart was that the, the belief that if I didn't go be a district manager right now in this opportunity this year, I think I would regret it for the rest of my life. And so I told Stacey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give it my best, and then we'll see after that. Because I can always go back to being a CSP. So mm-hmm. decided to be a district manager. April, got started up end of April, early May. That was, uh, starting up, that was really, really tough. I had been planning and prepping to transition to a full in-person office with in-person interviews, in-person trainings and everything. And I was prepped and ready for that until our lease, our office lease backed out on us last minute. And so we, I was scrambling to find an office, I had to transition everything back virtual and Ran the office virtually from my apartment living room for about three or four weeks, and that was not fun. And by early June, we were able to actually get into an office, which you might notice that's where our sales started doing better uh, yeah. because we just we work uh, we work better in, in our office for me personally. And so that was the start. And I remember I had a phone call with with Drew Frank asking him about painting a picture, painting a vision for my team and how to set that goal. And he told me something that I've really connected with since then. Just the idea that set a goal so big, so crazy, that winning and being the best is only a residual value. That it just it's a byproduct of the actions and, and growth that you're experiencing as an office. And when you do that, your people will buy, buy into you and what you're doing and the goals that you've set before your team. And so that's what I experienced in June with the uh, influx of people actually being in an office and our people really, really, really got bought into what we were doing and what we were focusing on and accomplishing. And we were, at that time, we were top 15 in the nation. And I was talking to them as if we were the best team in the nation. Even though I knew that we were a hundred and something thousand dollars behind first place, I was talking to them as if we were we we were right there with them because I never doubted their ability and, and their ability to perform. And I just knew that it was only a matter of time, belief, and growth. And that they would be able to accomplish anything they set their mind to, because I'm truly be- blessed with the the team and people that we've surrounded ourselves with here in Amarillo. So that was kind of the start to the summer and and really setting up SC two. SC two was our big breakout for the year, but I think a lot of it, a lot of what happened in SC two was the buildup and conclusion of what happened in May and June and July yeah. with my people and the vision. So you
1: had this adversity in May where your office lease fell through. You had to scramble for a while. And then you handled that and you were painting the vision of being number one all throughout the beginning of the summer. Was that something you were talking about with your team?
0: So I never said, hey, guys, we want to win the Silver Cup. I told them we want to put Amarillo on the map. Okay. Nobody in the company knows of Amarillo, Texas. And so we want everybody to know our name. And that was something that we really rallied behind and that actually got a lot more traction in the office than I thought. I'm not from Amarillo. I didn't know a single soul when I moved out here and uh, built the office from zero people in our territory. And so, what I found is that the people in Amarillo really have a lot of pride in being from a small West Texas cow town. And so, you know, whenever I told them, hey guys, this is our goal, we're going to put Amarillo on the map. We're going to make sure that we're the best office in the nation this year and the best office not just the best office this year, but also the biggest and best district next year. And so that's kind of how I called people up into our district development and the growth of, hey, Mm -hmm. do you want to be a part of putting Amarillo on the map? Not just right here, right now, but creating a dynasty here. And those words, that picture that they painted of like, I'm going to be a part of making Amarillo a territory that is going to be reckoned with forever in vector. I think that they really rallied behind that and I love to see it. And so, yeah, that was, that was what happened.
1: And it's a good distance from Lubbock, right? Like an hour and a half or something? About two hours. Yeah. Okay, so it's far. And what happened then during SC2 push? How how did this incredible spark take hold?
0: So it was a continual growth, and we got people on our team that were just the right fit. It was most of our biggest pushers was from the people from SC1 and the previous weeks back in May and, and June and early July. One of the biggest things that impacted the RSC2 push was the buy-in to their own personal and professional growth in that time frame. And I think I am somebody. I think I was able to talk about this and get people to buy into this because I experienced it so much in my first summer, where I was at six thousand dollars in sales, and then I sold eighteen thousand dollars in two and a half weeks. I think because of that, I have the relatability to those new reps who, or old reps who aren't doing very well, who aren't at 10 or 15,000. They're at three or four or two or six. I can call those people and show them my story and they get really bought into, Hey, what, what can we do here? I want to do what you experience. I want to have that experience for myself. So I think I was able to really bring those people into the program as well as coach the higher level people. My second SE2, I was able to sell $31,000 in those two and a half weeks, which I think our higher level people on our team are able to look at that and say, I want to do that. And so SE2 is really, hits close to home for me because I've had lots of personal and professional growth at both levels where I was a new rep and then I was a more experienced rep. And so I was able to call to action those people on our team. And we had we had an alliance team of 12 or 15 people and they actually showed up every morning and and participated in it, so.
1: I think it's great that you have these stories from your own career that you can bring forth to your people that help inspire them, what's possible for them, what could be next for them. Uh, We've all got these stories and even if you don't have them from your own career, we've all got them from other people's careers or from our peers or our managers here in Vector and there's this great power behind being able to have these stories that we can rely upon to inspire people what what they can do as well i like that
0: yeah uh, stories are a big way that i that i'm able to teach my people in a big way that they learn and hear from from my experience it's something that i uh, i love telling stories i could tell stories all day and so it's a it's a great way that i think that my team really learns. And it's a great way that I'm able to portray a vision, which is, I think, has been one of our biggest strengths this year is is the buy-in and the vision with our team.
1: Yeah. Excellent. So you you had this great SC2 push, you jumped up to number three, and that's where you were when the summer campaign ended. What was your mindset going into the fall?
0: My fall mindset started in July. I remember I had heard a conversation from Isaiah Reyes, who was a great competitor, Lone Star, new district manager. And he had about a $40,000 May this year. And I had asked him, I said, how did you do that? He said, well, I was prepping for it for about six or eight months. And so I realized that if I wanted to have a big fall, I was going to have to prep for it in the summer or in the spring and uh, make sure that I was ready for that. So in July, I started planning and prepping and asking those questions, asking for help from Gerardo and Stacy. Hey, how do I have a good fall how do i make the most out of it how do i go into the fall and not suck was basically my my goal and so my mindset going there was okay what's different nothing's going to change and the the things that are going to change for me is my focus and attention on my assistant manager and my my development team to develop them i was also picking up classes to continue my degree here in fall so i was a student as well and i was my focus was making sure that i was the best scheduler that i could be so I was scheduling out the entire fall before the fall even started, and that was that was something that I learned from Stacy on how to be a good planner. And so that's the, those were really my two big focuses. Was okay, I'm not going to change my system super dramatically. I'm just going to put all of my focus and emphasis on the development of my assistant manager team, while also being the best planner that I can be. Because I knew I was going to have I was adding things to my personal schedule. Um, like school said, have to be able to balance and manage our office while also managing homework and tests and things like that.
1: Yeah. And and as the fall went along and you closed in and then took over and had a a small lead for a while, how did you communicate the goal with your team? How did your team get bought into this being the team goal and not just Stephen's goal? So I
0: think... One of the biggest things that my team got bought into this fall was the idea of putting Amarillo on the map, like I mentioned earlier, but they also had skin in the game that, hey guys, we're the number one team in the nation, and Tyler thinks he can beat us. These are the conversations that I was having with my staff and my team in my team meetings. We had a picture of Tyler's face with like a big X threat. Now I love Tyler. He's a great competitor. I I love competing against him. He's like a brother to me. We make each other better. But I had to, you know, we pinned each other against each other and we talked about it. It was totally cool. And my team was like, we got to beat Tyler every week. That's the goal, beat Tyler. And so they were so bought in. To just the competitive aspect, because I'm a very competitive person, it's a contagious atmosphere when you have multiple competitors in there. The people who aren't that competitive, they learn to be competitive. They kind of pick up that role as well. And so we bought into that of, guys, we're going to beat Tyler. We're going to make history. We're going to put ammo on the map. You guys are going to be a part of this. This is going to affect your professional career for the rest of your life, whether you're going to be a nurse or a doctor or a financial analyst or an accountant, whatever you're going to be. This is going to be on your resume and on your record for the rest of your life. And you can have the confidence that you are a part of the number one sales team in the entire nation for our company. And so they really, they love that. And I think one thing that really drove that activity from them was at SLC. I got a chance to talk to, to Lloyd Reagan for just two or three minutes. And SLC was an incredible event. It was super impactful. But I think those two or three minutes that I had with Lloyd Reagan was the most impactful two or three minutes of the entire entire event because what he said to me. I actually had a lot of people come up to me and say, congratulations on being number one so far. You got this. You're doing such a great job. And it felt really good to get that affirmation. But what Lloyd said to me was actually the opposite. He said, Stephen, you've done a great job so far, but it's a close race. If you want to win this, what you're doing right now is not good enough. And again, someone who called me to be better. And that's something that, a common theme, and I I love that theme in my life. He called me to be better, and that's what I needed. And I came back from SLC, and I I told my team about that conversation and how we were going to close out the year and uh, became obsessed with the growth of our people in our office, and that really set us up for December.
1: Amazing. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you guys had a very solid October, November, and this massive December. You've referenced that Lloyd influenced you and that's obviously very powerful. Your region manager. I've known Lloyd pretty much since I started, which was a year after he started. Very soon <laughs> after that, we we started yeah. to get to know each other. We were branches together, way back in 1991. Stephen. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, and I admire Lloyd very 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 much. In addition to that, you're working in an incredible division. Lone Star just has so many great things going on. What can you say about the influence of your peers and the other leaders in the Lone Star division? And just uh, how does that special
0: vibe, how has that helped you as well? I mean, it's helped me tremendously. I can confidently say that I would not be in the same place I am today if I was in any other division, just because of uh, that's how special I believe Lone Star to be. Um, with the leadership of Stacy, he really takes the time to care about our people and care about us, care about me. I can think of so many instances where he'll comment little details about something that I told him like a year ago or months ago. And it's like, you're managing so many people. How do you even remember that? He just is so, so attentive to detail with his people and there's no body too small for him to care about. And I think that is really, really sets him apart as a manager and as a division manager that has influenced and impacted my life forever. The way that I want to be a leader like him someday, whether that's in this business or somewhere else, or with my family or with my friends or my church, I want to be be a leader like he does. And so he just sets a, such a great example for us, and, and really sets the tone for the rest of our rest of our managers, our our CSPs, our FSMs, of professionalism and class. Gerardo and I talk about it all the time. Obviously, Gerardo's been a big influence in uh, in my life and and the growth of myself as a manager. We talk about it all the time about how blessed we are to be. Under Stacy's management, as well as in a, in a culture and company like Vector, with our Lone Star culture that we have here, where our CSPs, our FSMs, we're tight knit. It's it's not managers versus CSPs. We work together. We have fun together, and we grow together. and And I just love I love the culture here at, at Lone Star.
1: Yeah, excellent. It's great to hear. Congratulations on just such a great start to your district manager career. A lot of times when you accomplish something so significant right out of the gate. The challenge is, well, what's next? And as you look into your future in the years ahead, what are some things that you're excited about, Stephen?
0: Oh, I'm very excited for uh, the future. Some of the big things that stand out is is really the growth of my district, the growth of my team. Uh, Like I said, I'm very blessed with the people that I get to work with on a daily basis. And I'm excited to grow our district together. I've talked to Stacy about this, and, and this is something that we talked about with division wide, but also on our district side, is getting to build my business with people that I like to be around, and I'm very excited for the growth. And like I said, our goal is to make Amarillo a dynasty to where we're reckoned with and recognized across the nation forever, and that the development that we have here is far bigger and, and more uh, more vast than our people can imagine at this point, or even I can imagine. I have the theme of thinking bigger. And so our goals and the things in our future, I'm just very excited to continue to build our district with our team and our assistant managers, our branch managers, our district managers that are going out this year and continuing to grow here in our company. So I'm very excited. Lots of cool things coming up. Yeah,
1: awesome. It's great to hear. I also love that you said you've got uh, this great relationship budding with Tyler Strauss. In my life and in my career here at Vector, My relationships with my competitors have been an integral part of my success, both from the standpoint of us driving each other forward, right? That sort of love hate side of it, right? But also the conversations we had, the way we elevated each other's thinking, just the straight up help we give each other with, hey, use this resource or we did this at a meeting or whatever. Like it's always been this sharing and giving environment here. At vector. And I just, I love hearing that, uh, that's the relationship you have with your, your top competitor from this year and a guy that hopefully you'll be growing and competing with for years to come. Right. Maybe one day it'll be like me and Lloyd, where you and Tyler are region managers or something like that. I mean, who knows down the road what could unfold, right? Yeah,
0: Yeah. I love competing against people who are like-minded and equally ambitious. And I think Tyler and I, that's something that we've related on a lot over the, this past year. And so I'm looking forward to the future of competitors and growing and, and continuing to improve and grow.
1: Yeah. And my mindset was always, I wanted to kick the other guy's ass. Oh yeah. There but, you go. but at the end of the race, right. Whoever won, like the, the other guy would always be quickly calling up saying, Hey, congratulations, or people would be sharing their exciting accomplishments. I can remember Mike Muriel calling me many years ago and saying, Hey Dan, you're the first person I'm calling to tell this. Cause you're going to get it the most we're gonna sell $200,000 for the week. It was the first ever 200K week in an office in Vector. And it was something I tried to do for quite a long time and and never got there. And Mike was calling me to share it. And it was pretty cool to be a part of that. And it's something I, I remember to this day. And so the competition and the sharing and the challenging, that's a great part of the competitive vibe at Vector. I hope everybody listening can embrace that, whether you're a DM or a branch or whatever role you're in it's an important part of uh, advancing in the company and doing really well. So Stephen, awesome job. Big congratulations. It's been great having you on the podcast.
0: Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here.
1: Stephen Hunt, everybody. Another in a long line of incredible young leaders that we are able to showcase here from the Cutco Vector Marketing community I always say this, that I'm never surprised. I've done this enough times that I'm just never surprised by the quality of a young leader who I'm getting to meet in this medium here, but I'm always impressed still. And Stephen is definitely an impressive young leader. I love that he was called up to be better as a sales rep. That theme comes up throughout this podcast. He had that 18K SC2 push, and I think that that's instructive lesson here is putting your best into something for a short period of time and what can come out of that. He asked for help. Gerardo responded, thought that was great. Later on, Stephen decided to take on the challenge of being a branch manager, said it was a turning point in his life. Boy, there's something about putting ourselves in a position of taking on a challenge that really teaches us so much about ourselves. and. After that, the theme of being called up continued as Stacey Campbell called Stephen up toward the challenge of district manager. Stephen has learned to be a great storyteller. That was a recurring theme throughout this podcast. There was a lot of stories that he told from his career and his life that inspired other people. I thought that was great. He learned about painting a vision from Drew Frank as well. There was... Lloyd Reagan, once again, calling Stephen up as the district manager race was coming down to the wire. And I also really love what he said about Stacey Campbell at the end, where he said, I want to be a leader like him someday. Who are the leaders in your life that you would say that about? And what is it about them that you want to embrace as a part of who you are? Who is calling you up in your life? And then perhaps more importantly for right now, Who can you call up today to be better, to be their best, to bring their best to what they are doing? That's an awesome challenge for all the leaders to consider as we wrap this one up today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Stephen Hunt, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals.